Hey, Verde Valley Christian Church, thank you so much for being a part of who we are here at VVCC. Whether you've been all in with us for 20 years or you're brand new and just taking steps with us for the first time, whether you attend services in the room with us or you're participating online, you being a part of Verde Valley Christian Church makes a big difference. More specifically, you choosing to allow Jesus Christ to impact your life and shape the way that you make decisions and to shape your actions impacts eternity in ways that are beyond anything we'll ever know. And I just want to give you a quick but important update about our services that our leadership has been talking about for the past few weeks. Our board and our lead team have agreed that our next best move is to consolidate our current services to two new service times, 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., starting on August 15th. With these two new consolidated service times, we're gonna be able to interact and see more of each other during our services and also be encouraged by more of each other's presence and our voices as we worship together. So please make sure you mark your calendar for August 15th as we start our new service times, the first one at 9 a.m. and the second one at 10.30 a.m. Thanks again so much for being with us, and I'm looking forward to see what God is going to do in and through our church as we continue to take steps following after him. All right, we are here in part two of I'm All In. We're looking at our core statements. We're trying to bring unity and alignment to our church that we understand what it looks like to be all in and to be all in together. So last week we were looking at love God wholeheartedly. Today we're looking at do first things first. Next week we'll look at don't do life alone. Then the week after that, save people, serve people. And lastly, we'll look at followers say, follow me. Those are all core statements that deserve our attention and reiteration and refocus and come when we're kind of going this way, come back to that. And so... Uh, If you've been through this before, as we keep talking about these things, don't feel like, oh, I've got this, because we all need to keep coming back to some things that are really, really important for us to focus on. Some of you think, oh, I know this object lesson. I've seen this before. If that's you, I'm changing it. And uh, you can't just zone out. you got to pay attention as I update this object lesson uh, if you have seen this before. Uh, We're going to begin with this quote. It reads this way. It's on the screen for you. Looking at a busy day is much like looking at a busy life. How you fill your day is a snapshot of what you do with your whole life. For some reason, this silly object lesson causes me a lot of stress. I think it's because I don't have a lot of practice at being a table server. I just feel like I'm going to spill rice all over the place. And, you know, if you're sitting at a table and I'm filling up your cup, duck, or move away. Now, um, so we need to just kind of think in terms of our day gets filled up with all kinds of things. So what you see in here already is rice. What you see that I'm about to pour in is rice. And rice, that's the, the little stuff that quickly adds up, but doesn't have much ROI, return on investment for your time. 
You, we usually think of re ROI, return on investment for your money. Well, we're talking about how those principles apply very much to our life, uh, that a lot of little things add up quickly, and uh, unfortunately, it takes up our a lot fast with very little return. And so we're just going to talk about this, and I'm going to help myself. I wouldn't do this to your cup of water, but maybe I should. Um, so, you know, we, we fill our lives with all kinds of um, scrolling through screens, and we fill it with binging on entertainment, and we fill it with texting and posting and spending time. Uh, that a lot of it, we get notifications on our devices, and we quickly go there, and it feels kind of urgent. And it just fills up our day. And what we don't realize is how all that little stuff fills up our day with a lot more than we realize. It is kind of a blind spot for us in our culture right now, how much this has changed us as a culture. To Literally, our time gets filled rather quickly. The last time I did this, I didn't talk anything about screen time. The last time I did this, I didn't talk anything about a lot of the things I just mentioned. I mentioned other areas. There were kind of areas that we kind of get caught and surprised by. Um, if that didn't catch you and surprise you as it relates to your life, you're going to have to substitute out what some of those little uh, pesky fillers are that, that you keep going to that are kind of habitual, that just add up quickly, that produce little ROI, return for the minutes you've given away very little impact and significance from all of that that you've placed in your life. Now, the next area is those things which are larger things. Um, and these larger things are, you know, like we need them and they're important, but we still feel like they don't really offer the same kind of significant impact and return for our investment of time, things like sleeping. We need it. And it takes a lot of our time, but we feel like, well, you know, it doesn't really have a lot of return or exercise or eating or uh, even our leisure. We all need those things, but um, the ROI, the return on investment for significant impact for the shaping of our lives and making a difference for us, we feel like, you know, it's like, yeah. Uh. And then there are those big things in our life. And these potatoes will represent some of those big things, big things like work, take up a lot of our time, and we recognize this is really important stuff, and it shapes us, and it shapes our culture, and, and work is kind of important. This is going to be a problem fast, uh, because there are other, other big things, things like relationships, Im important relationships, my my. My son, my daughter, my grandchildren, important relationships. They're like really, really important. And, and, and how, how about um, things like time with God? It's no longer fitting in our 24-hour day, right? And how about making a difference? Because we spend time with God, eternal difference for people. Oh, oh my. It just, I mean... We try to cheat in our days and fit more than can actually fit in, but it doesn't work in a, in a day. And reality is each day's habit will shape your whole life. 
Now, I'm going to set this aside, and we're going to actually do a redo later, but I, I want us to go to first things first. Did you catch that? Do first things first. So we need to turn to the Word of God, do first things first, and we're going to jump right into Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which is an excellent place to start when we're talking about doing first things first. Now, before we jump into this, how do we solve the problem of our day? When we recognize that our time is limited and we can't fit everything in that we want to fit in. And we are all in that same boat. Every single one of us have been given exactly the same amount of finite time per day. And we have a hard time fitting it all in. Now this is what Jesus says. The answer is... um, Let's just read it. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. You need to understand if you read Matthew 6 or when you read Matthew 6 that the context there is worry and financial worry as it relates to how do I make sure that I can provide all the clothing and the food and everything that I need financially and in the context financially, which ROI is a really good way of putting this together. The return on investment is if you seek first, even financially, God's kingdom, all the rest of this will be added as well. Now, mature believers have learned this principle. Mature believers have learned the principle of tithing, seeking first God's kingdom, etc., etc. But we're taking that principle and realizing that this is not just a financial statement here. This truth is a universal truth in many other areas besides finances. And so, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Do first things first, and everything that needs to be done will get done. If you don't do first things first, then the important things we recognize, just by this quick illustration, the important things are left undone because they don't fit in each day. And as a result, cumulatively, if this is your pattern, it has cut out the most important things in your entire life. And so this is a really, really important place to start with. Now what's fascinating about this is that Jesus lived this out perfectly where he sought the kingdom of God first perfectly. So perfectly that he was able to say something astounding at the end of his life. And we read it in his high priestly prayer in John 17, 4, we read this. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's John 17, 4. What? How could you know that you've completed all the work God has given you to do? You're not dead yet. He knows precisely what's coming next. He's already... Uh, has set his course and knows where he's going, knows it's going to be there. He's going to the cross next, and he's stating as if it's an accomplished fact, I've completed it, I'm already set there, it's, there's no way around it. He receives a guidance, a personal guidance from his father that is with such clarity that he can say, I'm done. I'm now done, and I bring you glory. I was able to do what you had me to do. Wouldn't it be great 
to have that kind of clarity, where we have that kind of precise guidance from God, where we know that we're on track, we're doing what we need to do. Jesus practiced some practices to understand how to seek God's kingdom first. He has a practice built into his life. He actually lives out this principle, which we will read in a moment, which is found in the Old Testament as well, that he knows how to listen to his father's voice and only do what his father is asking him to do. And he has a practiced habit pattern for personal guidance throughout his life that we're going to just investigate together next. But first, let's take a look at a very interesting uh, piece that talks about this listening to God, this guiding principle that Jesus showed us how. It's found in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Jesus was quite familiar with it. Um, He was well-versed, constantly quoting the Old Testament, which was his Bible up to this point, right? New Testament's not written, and he's just saying every jot and tittle, it's the authority, it's the word of God. And Isaiah 30, 21 reads this way. And whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Wow, wouldn't you like to have that kind of clarity that every time you come to a decision point in your life, you have God's voice speaking to you in such a way saying, if you step off, he says, no, 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 this is the way. (laughs) And then you just keep uh, following the personalized guidance Now, I need to just forewarn you that Isaiah 30, when you read it, the whole context is a nation that's gone awry, a nation that is filled with sin, a nation that stopped listening to God, and this becomes the answer for that nation. And the context is, if you will repent, you will now hear, and you'll actually see the teacher, and I think there's a prophetic element there because Jesus is the teacher. He, he said, don't call yourselves teachers. There's only one teacher, the Messiah. He is the teacher that we're gonna see and we're gonna hear, and he's going to give the spirit of God so that this reality can be our reality. So it's really interesting. Jesus never had to repent. So Jesus' clarity on what he hears for any given day in guidance was oh so clear. No questions about it. And he would seek his father with a pattern that we're going to study next that he's showing us how to enter into this kind of guidance system for our lives. Wouldn't you love to experience that kind of personalized guidance? And the thing is, God wants you to as well. And there's one problem. He's done his part to take care of that problem. But he can't do your part to take care of that problem. And your part to take care of that problem is repentance. So if you're not hearing from God, the answer is Jesus. And the repentance that comes through Jesus, because he's made it possible through the cross to give you a repentance that's real, so that you can turn back to God. And as soon as you confess, then the blockage for guidance is removed and the Spirit of God can fill you up again so that you can walk with a clarity that you didn't have before repentance. And this repentance is something that has to be ongoing in a, with regularity, in a practice pattern to develop your spiritual senses, to, to understand when God is guiding you. And also, uh, t- we'll talk about some other items as it relates to 
big things in your life. So, sin is what gets in our way. Repentance is what we need. And the good news is it's possible for us. Now, the main section that I want us to focus on now is where Jesus shows us how. It's in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 38, and it reads this way. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying. Now, you need to recognize that this is profound. This is the Son of God who has an established pattern of seeking first God's kingdom. He has an established pattern of seeking first God his Father's will. He's showing us a pattern of how this works. Even though he had no sin, he's always turning to God, always turning to God, always turning to God. And the answer for us is because we have sin, we need it far more than Jesus does. Always turn to God, always turn to God. And for us, it looks like repentance. For Jesus, it looks like humility. Voluntary humility to always seek the Father's will. And he established this pattern and routine and showed it to us that time and place appointment were big non-negotiables for Jesus. What about you? What time do you meet with God? Could you answer the question, when and where? Jesus could. And Jesus could so well that the disciples knew where to find him. They weren't puzzled when his bed was empty. They knew exactly where to look. Now you need to understand that the reason why they're looking, this occurs in a context of a crazy, busy, almost beyond human capacity busy ministry schedule. Read the rest of this chapter and you'll see it. And he has to figure out how to cope with that crazy, busy schedule. So he takes a whole bunch of time with God to deal with that crazy, busy schedule. We lie to ourselves. I can't, af- I can't afford to spend that kind of time with God. I gotta go to work. I gotta get stuff done. And Jesus knows better. <laughs> You'll get a whole bunch more done if you spend time with God seeking first his kingdom. So let's keep reading this. Verse 36, Simon and his companions searched for him and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let's go on to the neighboring villages so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. This is really wild. How does Jesus know when ministry is pressing on all sides and everybody wants a piece of him that it's time to leave? Ministry is not done. There's just so much more ministry upon him that he could be doing that day and the day after and the day after and it all come to him. But he is not setting his priorities based on what he feels like doing. He's not basing his priorities based on the urgency that everybody else is placing upon him and their perceived needs. He's he's setting his priorities based on his guidance from God and the purpose that he's been given and it becomes quite clear, so clear that he says no to this and yes to something else, and leaves. Where do you get that kind of clarity? And this is what we need to understand from Jesus. So this is what it looks like. We need to do a redo here. (laughs) 
Sorry about the delay. I could have had multiple jars and multiple things, but that was already stressing me out so much. Uh, So... Okay, here we go. Point number one. Important matters rarely feel urgent. Did you notice that the disciples did not view Jesus' time with the Father as all that important because they felt that what was urgent would trump it? What was urgent was what was really important. That is what needs to be done right now. Jesus, what are you doing? Their crowds are all here. They're all waiting. And the disciples' way of viewing things was completely wrong. God's way of viewing things is there's a lot of important things that are far more important than what urgency is placed on your life. And so, important matters rarely feel urgent. But Jesus put first things first. He met with God. He uh, valued his relationship with his disciples more than the crowd. In fact, there were some people within the disciples' crowd that got more of his attention and time, the inner circle, than the rest of the disciples. How unfair! And he did the important stuff first. That's really, really important for us to get a hold of. Important matters rarely feel urgent. Let your purpose set your course, not your feelings, not the sense of urgency, but your purpose, and yet we need to be able to pull this off. We need to be able to have a practiced guidance system that we've established with God's help. Point number two, escape the tyranny of the urgent. Escape the tyranny of the urgent. Now, um, on the screen, I want to put a title by the same thing that I just told you to escape from, uh, by Charles E. Hummel. I didn't read it in 1967, because I didn't like reading stuff when I was eight. Um, But it's been around a long, long time. I read it as a little uh, tract. Somebody, uh, my office manager said, when did you read it last? I said, this week. He says, how do you do that? I said, it's not a book. (laughs) It's, It's... now, it's just four pages. And, and I, I couldn't find the track that I originally read that came out, and the tracks were a big deal in, in the 70s and that kind of thing, 80s. Uh, but you can get it on the internet. So I, that's why I put the title up there. You might want to read the whole thing. But you'll have to update all the examples, but it's still completely relevant today because you've got to figure out how to keep urgent things from robbing you. Because urgent things will rob you of the important things. And when urgent things rob you of the important things, your life is getting ripped off. And you're going to regret it at the end of your life if you don't already regret it every day and don't even know why you're regretting it. And so we need to get a hold of uh, this, this concept. So the thing you got to do is schedule the important things because important things are rarely urgent, right? I mean, um, 
when you're a dad and you're growing up and you're, you're doing ministry, it seems like ministry is really, really important, but ministry can become a problem to your dad relationships. And maybe you've seen that in a lot of pastoral family lives. And it's like, I don't have a ministry if my family falls apart because what good is that example? And so it's like, don't let ministry become idolatry. You've got to set importance on relationships like your relationship with your daughter and setting up a daddy-daughter date and, and making that a pattern so that you have time to talk and you're building that relationship, setting up a time with your son and have... And, Son, dad, date doesn't sound good. So we created a project and built a go-kart and worked with somebody to help us, somebody that knew what they were doing. And week after week after week, doing stuff together is doing the important stuff. If it's never scheduled, it'll never happen because important things always will trump all your time. Ministry never stops. Now, here's the thing about your life. Your life is filled with work and schedules and urgent things that never stop as well. And if you don't schedule your important stuff, it'll be left undone. All right, let's just talk about scheduling. We now live in this marvelous age of the smartphone. And with the smartphone, we have all this capability of putting in a schedule and putting notifications on it. Here's a professional tip. Shut off the notifications for all that stuff that is urgent that's not important. Only put notifications in for those things that you think are important that will cause a significant impact for your life. How do you measure significance? Time. How do you know when something is significant? If it's remembered over time, if it has impact over time. If something has eternal significance, it's all important. Way more important than all the urgent stuff that just picks and squeezes and, and nitpicks at your day. Some of you need to shut off your notifications because you got notifications going ding, 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 ding. And so whatever you're doing, it's like, woo, 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 It's like rice is just filling up your day and all the important stuff is left out of your jar. Turn on the important notifications and schedule it. Here's the thing. Then you can, after scheduling those notifications, the important stuff, you can go, okay, it's going to happen. I have it built into my weekly, monthly schedule, making sure that I've spent time or daily schedule. It's going to happen. I'm going to make it happen. Now you can take care of, in a secondary way, those other urgent things. Because urgent things have to be done, right? Maybe you should pick and choose which urgent things, right? Then you can put the secondary things in there. All right? Escape the tyranny of the urgent do first things first. Point number three, choose what's important over what's urgent. Rice is a filler. And a lot of times rice, as we're describing it in this illustration, is neither truly urgent or important. Notifications raise the level of unimportant things to the level of artificial urgency. Make sure you see the difference between true urgency and artificial urgency because uh, you've got to figure out which things have to go and take control over your life. All right, so here's where I start to make a mess. I'll do my best. Then you can add the rice. 
back into your schedule. Okay? Oh. Uh, uh, mess on aisle platform. Uh, I need some help up here. Sorry, Jay. I, I probably won't get all of this. Oh, look at that. Rice is a filler. It works around some of the other stuff, which is good news. Oh, you know, forget that. Oh, oh, that's not going to work. That is not going to work. So you, you guys don't know how stressed I was over trying to figure out how to do this. <laughs> because it's a time pressure, right? Come on. Okay, my point on this is that what didn't fit before all fits. If you seek first his kingdoms, all this other will be added to you or given to you as well. Now, that doesn't mean all that rice is stuff you should add to your life. If it's not urgent, it's not important, and it's idolatrous and it's starting to steal from you, get rid of it, okay? Now, let's talk about that a moment. Oh, all of it fits. If I slip and fall on a rice, we got workman's comp, we're good. All right, <laughs> point number, oh, we're still on point number three. Uh, I'm on a quote now, and the quote reads this way. Everyone spends 24 hours every day. Time, like money, is limited and every yes spent is, in time is a no to something else. That's just so clear, but somehow we don't think it's true. We spend all of our time every day. And every yes on something will be a no on something else, and it gets arranged that way every day. Remember, this is a representation not only of your day, but of your life. What you're saying yes to is a no to something else. Okay? Now, I have a theory. I want to say it really, really strong, but it's just a theory, and so I have to be careful. My theory is that all across the nation, levels of personal drive are dropping. All across the nation, levels of developed talent is dropping. Now, if you've been watching the Olympics, you say, uh-uh, we've been seeing world records broken. I'm not talking about the minority exception. There are exceptional people that have incredible discipline that are still breaking records and still have incredible drive. But as a whole, our culture in the West, drive and developed um, talents 
and intellectual pursuits and meaningful relational exchanges have been dropping because, and here's, I have to be careful because it's not a one problem answer, but a large degree of our hidden problem we have a big blind spot to is to the degree that our screen time is driven up, all of those other areas are dropping down because we're saying yes to one thing and no to all of that other developed disciplinary area. We're going for ease, leisure, fun, entertaining ourselves to death. And we have less musicians, less skilled workers, less highly advanced intellectuals as a whole, as a nation. So it's not the answer to the problem. There are many others as well. But it's a huge one, and it's a blind spot that we're not paying attention to. Because we have idolatry creeping into our lives through a lot of the notifications related to our use of the screen. Exception. The reality is, for me, my God time and time in the Word and time developing messages and time in research and intellectual pursuits and my drive... So much of it is I'm I'm using the tools that come through the screen. So my screen time is really, really, really high compared to the average bear. But my screen time is probably 95% dedicated to ministry. And as a result, I've had to say no to things that most people say yes to, like watching news. I just say no to that. Partially because of time, but mostly because of how it rips up my spiritual walk. And I start to go down, down, down with it instead of rejoicing that God is in control. God is alive and real. So the next quote is this. A body filled with junk food struggles to move well. A mind filled with junk thoughts struggles to think well. That came to me in an email this week on Thursday from James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, which I read and I signed up for his email, and that was just kind of like, whoa, talk about timing. Yeah, we are a nation that is filled with junk thoughts, and we are not learning how to think well. Next quote, what other more valuable pursuits might you choose over the high levels of scream time you currently have in your life? Okay, now I'm getting kind of personal here. (laughs) I'm totally challenging you to look at your screen time and substitute some things, start saying no to some things that are pesky rice that has no eternal impact, no shaping value, no return on investment for your life. I'm trying to raise your level of maturity. If you've learned this in finances, which I recognize so many people haven't learned this, that when you take 10% and give it first to God, he'll take the 90% and he'll give you an ROI like it it's doesn't even make any sense. It's supernatural ROI, return on investment with a 90% that's far greater than ever you managed your 100% all by yourself. It's true with time as well. 
Give the first of your time. I used to teach people, give the best of your time because people kept fighting me. You know, I'm really awful in the morning. I wake up and it's like, good Lord, it's morning. (laughs) It's like, I used to be that way. Do I have time for this? Oh, I can kind of go into it. I mean, I came straight out of college life where it's all night life and it's all night study and all night play, just make up for the all night study. And, and then, you know, go into ministry life where it's, my ministry experience was youth ministry, which is still night life and play. And, it's, and then it's like, wait, I need to follow the pattern of Jesus. So I set my alarm. I set my alarm for a time that's like, <laughs> I haven't slept into that late for decades now. It's like, I, set, I had to set it though because I was totally all out of whack. And then I had children. I had to keep making it earlier and earlier and earlier so I could have time with God. And I became a morning person where it changed from good Lord, morning, to good morning, Lord. My favorite activity and time of the day is to be refueled and recharged and and it's just brings purpose and meaning and joy to the rest of my day. And that Small investment has a payoff throughout the rest of my day, just like tithing does. It's like, this says it's all yours. This says it's all yours in time. Do it with your talents. Offer your talents to God. This little piece that I'm going to give away, instead of be all about my return on my investment, I'm going to give away my talent. My time is going to come back to you and shape other people's lives. So now you have significance in shaping your own life to, the, to be more impactful and making a difference in somebody else's life in an impactful way. And it makes an eternal difference. And that's eternally significant. Everything else. I mean, we... I mean, just think about it. just championship games that were won or lost some years ago. So important, all-consuming for all those athletes, and nobody remembers now. Time just diminishes significance, but if it's eternally impactful in eternity, we're going to be talking about, for eternity, the grace of God that did this and did that and did this, and it's never forgotten when it's eternally significant. So, do first things first, and God will fill up your life. By the way, there's still a whole lot of space in here. I could put a bunch of water and talk all about the Spirit, but then it'd make a bigger mess. So uh, we'll, we'll skip that one. Do first things first is what we're all about. Next week, we're going to be talking about don't do life alone. Would you pray with me? God, would you challenge us to be more like Jesus? If Jesus needed to spend time in the word and in prayer as the son of God without sin, we need it all the more. Lord Jesus, we thank you for making it possible for us to experience a greater guidance, a greater return on our investment of time, greater meaning and value and significance in this life and way beyond. Help us to take some steps today Steps that I know from others. Just this little example changed their life forever. Help us not just to go, that was neat, but to make some changes. To make an established habit pattern of meeting with you and keeping that appointment with you in a time and place that makes a difference for the rest of our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We have a prayer team to the left of the stage that would be happy to pray for you about anything. Thank you for joining us today. See you next week.